Welcome to Not Enough Champagne, a podcast well-versed in discussing meta-issues. My name's Corey Hazelhurst and my partner in propaganda is Steve Haynes. Hey, Corey. Now, obviously, it's another quiet week in Westminster politics. So rather than try and invent a story about British politics to talk about this week, we're going to leave the Westminster bubble behind and we're going to talk about a simple problem with an easy-to-navigate solution. What exactly are we going to do about Facebook? tech story, Steve, I suppose, has been the Facebook papers, hasn't it? Not to be confused with the Pentagon papers. And well, they the Panama are, papers. Yeah. Well, the Skycost papers, which I think was E.P. Thompson's only novel. Francis Haugen, who is a whistleblower, leaked a bunch of papers to the Washington Post. And it's all fairly terrible and rubbish, isn't it? We'll, we'll talk, I suppose, about a few, a few main takeaways. My main conclusion, I think, when I saw it, uh, which is uh, sort of inspired from, from a discussion I heard on, on Slate with uh, with David Plotz was that almost uh, Facebook is in some ways it's worse than the tobacco companies sort of in the in the fifties and sixties because the tobacco companies put in a lot of effort into trying to claim that smoking was uh, hip and cool and deadly and it's certainly even you know we can disagree over whether it's hip or cool but deadly it very certainly is but. With smoking, generally, although there's this sort of passive smoking, obviously, which could be harmful, it's generally just smokers who are uh, really affected by smoking itself. Whereas with Facebook and all of the uh, horrible things we're going to talk about, it's not just Facebook users that are affected. And we are going to talk about the sort of the big minority of users on Facebook who really are affected. But actually, the issue here is that Facebook and the algorithms it has and the changes it makes those algorithms, it's really harmful to society at large. Facebook knows they're really harmful, and yet it's doing nothing about it. Yeah, 100%. Facebook has a very dodgy track record when it comes to pretty much anything on, online, if you actually look into it. So a, a few years back, there was in, what in digital circles and journalism circles was referred to as the pivot to video, which was basically, you know, we should stop producing uh, content online that's words and copy, and instead we should be producing video videos because more people engage with it, will make more money off of it in the long run, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the only problem with that was all the data from that came from Facebook. And there was some truth to it, but Facebook actively fudged their data um, that they were showing people and went as and effectively were lying about how much engagement video was getting, which meant that eventually a load of businesses that were operating online realized they had no longer had any money to spend and to, uh, and no longer had any money to able to operate because Facebook had actively lied in an attempt to get more people onto Facebook. Zuckerberg and his team have a appalling track record of what you might of any of, of, of like ethics I, I I would say in in general. So everything that they do seems to be very much centered on 
what do we get out of it rather than trying to do the right thing in any in any form so it does not surprise me in any way that the the wider issues of like their algorithm and how the impact it has on the on the world that they are dragging their feet on actually trying to fix anything i suppose this is an issue that facebook with this algorithm has had over the last few years anyway so you mentioned the sort of the, the emphasis on video content You've also had Facebook, I suppose, take experimenting on these users without really telling users it was experimenting, hasn't it? So you've had uh, Facebook, I think, almost deliberately showing users maybe angry, uh, particularly angry posts or sad posts to sort of change emotions to see what is the effect of engagement. And I think finding that users were more engaged with seeing kind of angry content uh, and more polemical content, more sort of radicalizing content. I mean, you've also seen it with little things like Facebook allowing people to tag and say, I voted in various elections, which you think, uh, uh, say, uh, an election like the American election, where you've got uh, a tiny number of votes in a small number of states deciding the outcome, where Facebook decides to do that, where it doesn't decide to do that, could have a really real outcome on, on the election. It's not just Facebook, it's YouTube as well, isn't it, who are continually tweaking their watch, uh, their algorithm about what videos you sort of watch and not, and that makes users fall down rabbit holes. So I suppose it's it's nothing new, is it? It's not just Facebook. Pretty much every social media platform, including some of the newer ones like uh, like TikTok, have all got a problem of um, dealing with extremist content in in one form or another. We hear a lot more about Facebook due to the size of Facebook, and after that, it becomes like YouTube and then and then Twitter as like the ones that everybody seems to focus on. Twitter less so these days since they banned Donald Trump, but um, obviously during Trump's presidency, there was a lot of discussion in general as to whether or not like he should even be allowed to tweet. Eventually. They did take action after he ceased to be president. All social media, from like the biggest websites right down to the smaller ones, has this issue of uh, moder- uh, moderation being a, a problem, or rather a lack of moderation, where ultimately, because of the size of a load of these, these websites, they, they, in, in some instances, it may very well be impossible to, pr- to actually manually moderate things. Um, I can't remember the, the the figures exactly, but it was something like if you tried to uh, manually moderate every video that went onto YouTube, like you would, uh, you, you'd be looking, you'd be looking at like hiring something like like Google tripling their their their, their, their workforce or, or something daft like that of just people purely watching videos to check on them, which is just not a, a feasible thing to do in in in, in any capacity, but they don't even seem to be really trying to engage with automated solutions to these things. And when they do have these automated solutions, you end up with very like cack-handed approaches to this. Amazon, who own Twitch.tv, um, another social media streaming platform. Metallica did a, did a concert on, on Twitch. Metallica, whilst performing their own songs, got hit by Twitch's DMCA, basically copyright claims thing, uh, uh, for playing their own songs so in the middle of metallica's concert metallica's sound and music was muted because of potential copyright abuse so even their automated solutions don't actually work at all um in in the way they're meant to be doing so everything about the way that moderation is set up for the uh, for for social media uh, websites is an absolute mess we're sure that wasn't genuinely for reasons of taste, aren't we? What are you saying about Metallica? 
All I'm saying is there are no Elvis Costello and the imposters. The question about AI and uh, moderation is a sort of interesting one, isn't it? There was a, a story, I think, in the chess world earlier this year about some chess YouTube channels that were blocked. And I think it was partly because they were sort of they were talking about playing an opening as black or playing an opening as white. So you've got lots of sort of black versus white talk. And um, that sort of got flagged by the AI algorithm as being sort of racial um, uh, racial speech, which which wasn't allowed. I think there were openings as well, like the King's Indian attack or something, or the kin, King's Indian defence, which also sort of fell foul of the algorithm. So that's the sort of that you, you've kind of got two problems, haven't you? And actually, the so did you want to come in? Just just despairing about that. And some of the stuff that's in the Facebook paper sort of bears out. So. Obviously, the, the main one that we talk about is the is Trump, is the capital attacks, is the anti-vax stuff. But actually, the ones that are really shocking, I think, in the Facebook papers are those that happen in the non-English speaking world, where actually there aren't many uh, there aren't many moderators. In Ethiopia, for instance, they literally Facebook has bugger all moderators who are moderated content. There's a an NGO whose uh, volunteers are going around trying to find hate speech moderate uh, and flag it up to Facebook and report it because it's an epidemic of hate speech because there's not enough people sort of on Facebook clamping down on it except it's then taking Facebook a week long to respond and you know if the whole thing about a lie travels the world before the truth has got time to get its boots on you know a week is a long time in the internet you've also Afghanistan and Myanmar where not enough has been done to clamp down and so hate speech is flourishing and just generally in the in the Arab world, generally in Arab-speaking countries, obviously Arabic, it's a language spoken by a lot of people with lots of different dialects. And it's something that Facebook and its AI algorithms just can't get its head around. So you either end up with a, in a situation where you have hate speech flourishing and Facebook doesn't have enough Arabic speakers to deal with it, or you just uh, they've also ended up just banning common Arabic words, which then is the other way and you have a complete clampdown on free speech so it's it's not it's the worst of both you know you've not got enough human eyeballs on it but you've also not got a decent ai system that works everything you've just kind of listed there especially in relation to facebook and like the different uh countries that um they are having to try and uh, deal with in terms of like the, the different like issues of moderation is it's 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 a primary example of like the ch- of the main challenge that the, the, the social uh, media companies companies face in that you know what it might not necessarily make much business sense to invest in you know an arabic team or to particularly put more in, uh, in um, you know more investment into developing your ai to understand arabic more or or whatever alter you know hire a couple of people to deal with the stuff in Ethiopia. But ultimately, they need to do these things. Otherwise, they're going to get in, get put into position eventually where the company cannot function. Like, they're already kind of getting, starting to get fined for various actions, which, you know, nowhere near enough um, money, in, 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 in my opinion, just going back to that, um, you know, the digital um, video metrics and things like that. Um, you know, they were basically like inflating their own figures by up to 900%. And they got, like, yeah, and it killed like 
dozens and dozens of profitable businesses as a result. Uh, and uh, they got fined 40 million. It's a lot of money, but not for overall. It's a lot of money for most people, but it's a drop in the ocean for, for Facebook's revenue in the grand scheme of things. So, Because <laughs> how much is Facebook worth now? About eight to 900 billion? Something daft like that, yeah. Eventually, Facebook is going to get put into a, a position where there's just going to be one nation. It will be somewhere like Norway or like a, a northern European country, which is going to just um, you, you utilize the powers that they have of you know finding X percent of a of your 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 total revenue generated or something like that for the past year, and just hit them with like I don't know a billion pound fine or something like that. And uh, once that happens, you'll then see a bit of a, a uh, kind of like a snowball avalanche effect as more and more places adopting that kind of stuff. And eventually Facebook will be forced into it. It'll be interesting to see, I think, how the regulation plays out, because I think usually um, it's been assumed it would end up being the European Union who would take the lead on moderating this. It's a little bit like when we're talking about Brexit, essentially, and, and sort of which trade network you're going to be part of. You know, you can be part of the sort of the big, the big China block the big European block, the big US block. America, I suppose, historically hasn't really wanted to regulate the internet. I think partly out of competence and partly out of this notion of freedom, whereas it tends to be the EU that generally would ha- put regulations on things for, uh, for, the, for the common good, essentially, um, yeah. if, we, if we can put it like that. Um, it's interesting, I think, that the the hearings that are happening in the Capitol as a result of the, the Facebook papers with Francis Hogan speaking before Congress, actually, it feels like you're getting to a bipartisan view that something needs to be done. I suppose the problem they have is I'm not sure they know exactly what they're going to do. No, and, and that fundamentally is, especially in, in, in the US and, and to a lesser extent, in the, in the UK as well, is a result of the age of the vast majority of legislators, uh, of legislators. Um, certainly in the US where it's, it's basically a gerontocracy in many, many ways. The average figures for like the Senate is, uh, in terms of age, is over 60. You, you have people who don't use these platforms particularly much, not necessarily uh, understanding how they operate or indeed understanding much about digital culture, infrastructure, all of these other bits and pieces. I mean, just look at the fact that there was a fight with the Republicans about whether or not, in, you know, um, broadband connections counted as infrastructure in the 21st uh, in the 21st century, uh, well, which, which Biden was trying to get through in one of his infrastructure bills. Like, that's the sort of ridiculousness that you're, you, you're dealing with. It almost is like, like a bunch of Luddites um, in many ways. But you have that issue and then you've just also got the, the the wider thing of just like I don't think there's that many people involved in politics who do digital in a meaningful way um, and don't actually have a very good understanding of these things at all um, and I think that is influencing quite heavily the um, the, the, the way that, that governments and indeed legislatures are, are responding to these things apart from Nick Clegg obviously but we'll, we'll get on to him <laughs> later i mean and and i suppose the other issue in terms of of regulating big tech is the just the sheer power that the companies have and the essentially any sort of self-regulation they do has massive effects on on world well on on a country's democracy and on, on the world as well so 
let's sort of pivot to the Capitol and January the 6th, where, again, part of the stuff around the Facebook papers is that Facebook knew that its forums were being used to put to push vaccine misinformation, knew it was being used to sort of organise some of the January the 6th capital attacks as well. Um, it was slow to respond, but then I suppose did respond. And, and, and part of the growth of QAnon, I suppose, is because the Facebook algorithm, as I understand it, was tweaked to sort of have people, uh, encourage people joining groups and push group chats up a newsfeed rather than just what individual friends were posting. And so it's allowed people to find these communities of, of people who essentially deal in conspiracy theories. And it's made Facebook, Facebook's made it easier for them to find different conspiracy groups. So that, yes, it, it's, it's like a kind of game of whack-a-mole, you're never going to win because you might squash one group, but then another group's already popped up and Facebook's recommended you join another five. Yeah. Um, so I think there's that, but there's also, yes, Facebook and Twitter sort of banned Trump from the platform. And I think that did make an appreciable difference. And I think has since. Um, we'll have to wait until 2024 to see just how big an impact it's made. But you've also got, you know, Mohammed bin Salman in Saudi Arabia, not banned. You've got Duarte in the Philippines, lots of hate speech, lots of attacks on the Catholic Church there. Uh, nothing happens. You've got Bolsonaro in Brazil, you know, there's going to be an election there next year. Bolsonaro is very clearly trying to make the same sort of power play that Trump tried this year. Nothing, no action has been taken there. So it's a kind of picking and choosing, isn't it? So again, it's just this arbitrary power. It's not like there's, you can't necessarily see that there's a line that is crossed. There's people who've crossed the line who haven't been punished. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I, I'm almost going to sound like I'm defending Trump, which I'm, I'm not, but it's more, it's just the arbitrary power because eventually people whose views we might like are going to get censored as well, possibly. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, I think the main, the main thing here is that um, most social media companies are obviously based in America with a, fo- with a primary focus on the English-speaking world um, or at the very least, like the European market as on, on top of that. And so they will have a load of people speaking French, German, uh, Spanish, Portuguese, whatever, whatever else, um, because the business mindset that these companies have is very much uh, centered in, in, that, in that kind of area. The minute you get you, you venture outside of Europe and the Ameri- and like North America, um, and for purposes of this will include like Australia in that as well, because obviously it's an English speaking nation, um, you end up with a drastic drop off in in interest from those countries like likely because they probably don't necessarily have as as much of a user base in there as well so whilst they can still be quite damaging they're not necessarily going to have as many people um using the websites um and as such they don't bother to to invest in those areas in the in the same sort of way which means there's no one actually paying attention to what Bolsonaro is doing or what Duarte is doing or whatever, because it's Brazil and, and you know, the Philippines, who cares? You know? uh, and I think that's a, a theme of the papers, isn't it? Is the, that Facebook knows doesn't act or acts too late or, um, or keeps on doing the bad thing. And again, part of the Facebook papers, so that there's a sort of structural issue, which you sort of hinted at, which is how Facebook trying to work out how it gets younger users because 
younger, not not young hip people like us, Steve, even younger, dare I say, hipper people, um, they're not using Facebook now either. They are using uh, other platforms, aren't they? Like TikTok, which I believe is a sort of clock-based video making website. You, you've got that issue where Facebook's trying to work out how, how to fill it, but then they're not even taking care of the young users they do have. So one of the, the, the statistics in the Facebook papers, which is shocking, uh, 13.5% of British teenage girls um, found that they were more frequently having suicidal thoughts after they joined Instagram. And I think it's an eighth of Facebook's users generally um, find that their social media use is interfering with sort of their daily life, their sleep patterns, their mental health. And again, not really much is happening because Facebook's out, Facebook is prioritizing users using their website and engagement in their website. And they are finding, I suppose, that the things that engage people in the website most are things that aren't helpful to them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there is a, a definite thing, especially in relation to things like Instagram and some of the more uh, the platforms that are used more by um, you know younger generations. They create a lot of un- potentially unhealthy kind of like um, combination of parasocial um, uh, relationships, as well as uh, just. I think the best way I can describe it is like, you know, try to keep up with the Joneses. You see all of these influencers who are just, you know, they're, you know, they're incredibly thin, incredibly sporty, incredibly rich, incredibly young and beautiful. And you just end up looking at them and going, well, I am none of these things like like them or or, or whatever. And you just end up kind of feeling, my God, what am I, what am I doing with my life? I mean, it's a genuine thing that I've I, I found in like a load of the things that I'm like really interested in and, and just like across the board really because I've just got to that, that that age in life of the early 30s where there are now people coming into a load of my different areas of interest who are in their 20s but you sit there and you look at what they're doing and you go my god I have achieved nothing and these people are you know bringing in tons of stream uh, they're, they're, they're a really well-known streamer um or or or, or you know they've, they've, they've published a book or or, or they're, they're constantly being fe- featured on some things or whatever and like so i can kind of get it like you, everybody gets those sorts of sorts of things with with social media and it's one of the reasons why i've cut back quite quite heavily on it and i, I effectively just use it for the most part to just kind of kind of keep up on the news and and and, and kind of message people and that's about it you aren't beautiful and successful, Steve, and I'm sure I'd Oh, thank you very much. Um, but no, it, but it is a, it's, it's a genuine point. Yeah. yeah, it's something I think that's, that's made a lot worse. But I suppose, thankfully, that's not going to be a problem in the future, is it? Because Facebook's got a solution in which you, you won't see people in reality. You'll, you'll see them in, a, in an avatar, won't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to get all into the metaverse, which is named after a dystopian version of the internet from snow crash by neil stevenson and zuckerberg and co have totally missed the point of it because it's a dystopia that is odd isn't it like at least we've had big brother the tv program and room 101 the, the tv program about 1984 but i suppose they were consciously sort of bits of entertainment um yeah and, and they were deliberately riffing off of the themes them, 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 themselves obviously room 101 all the things you hate go in the room um big brother constantly being watched for nine weeks or whatever it is by, by cameras and, and, and the general public. Like, you can see the link and why you'd go for that. Paul Merton was not trying to use Room 101, the Vita Entertainment Programme, as, as the basis for future human organisation and activity. 
That's a terrifying thought. <laughs> Although that's almost what social media does now, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, have you seen the Have you seen the video or bits of the video that Mark Zuckerberg has done? It's so bad. It's just so bad. Can you guess my favourite part of the video? Oh, no, go on. It's the bits with Nick Clegg in it. Mm. It's just the fact that you've got Mark Zuckerberg in a in a kind of re- that looking really big in a room, and Nick Clegg looking really tiny on the screen. And it was just a perfect, I just saw it and thought, like your five years in the coalition, Nick, have completely prepared you for this moment in which you're the junior partner trying to explain away terrible, terrible things that your senior partner is doing. Yeah, like I just, it's, it is absolutely bewildering like when when Clegg first went to Facebook I like there, there was obviously a lot of kind of like snarkiness about it and things but I was like you know what all right fair enough like I didn't really think to want, want much one way or the other but it's just time like and I and I genuinely think Nick Clegg went there with the notion of I can do some good here like Facebook is really important like like I can I can help shape the the policies I can help do all of these different things and the, 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 the problem is, like, Zuckerberg doesn't care, and therefore, and what Zuckerberg wants, Zuckerberg gets. And as such, he's just become a glorified Zuckerberg hand puppet, like, just re- reca- recounting, like, uh, PR PR for them, and, I, and without seemingly making any major difference to anything internally. Well, this is my point, isn't it? This is precisely what happened during the coalition, yeah. in which Nick Clegg went in for the national interest, and then spent five years going, yeah, but, you know, we have increased plastic bag production in Henley. That's it. <laughs> you know? um, but, uh, and, and Nick Clegg apparently has his team meet every Monday in the metaverse for their 11 a.m. meetings. I don't know. If you'd have said this 10 years ago, <laughs> like that sentence, heaven knows what we'd have thought was going up to. I suppose the, as you say, it's a dystopia. It's not great. The, the thing that actually, the thing that scares me most in the video is I, I think Zuckerberg says something to the effect of you'll be able to text someone by thinking about moving your fingers. And that terrified me. I mean, that sort of tech is 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 something that will will kind of come in some form in, in, in eventually anyway, whether or not it's, it's Facebook or not. Um, you, you can, there are already set up, for instance, um, uh, aids for kind of like people to, to to type when they're when they are incapable of like like movement where you it, it attracts eye movement and things like that you know it's a really useful thing to enable partially paralyzed people to communicate and, and things like that and and the thing is people will be people invest in that kind of research partially just because of hey can we make this work and this is an interesting way to learn about the brain and and all of those different things um but also to try and help people who genuinely do need help but it also just has applications outside of that as well so that sort of stuff is probably going to happen one way or another the issue is and again is going going to very much be how that how you interface with it you listen to elon musk it's because we're all going to have a chip implanted in our brain to to all make it happen which is clearly obviously not going to be a thing that anyone really wants to do for the most part um at least not in any of the current generations that are around aspects like an awful lot of what the metaverse is to be honest isn't particularly groundbreaking it's basically just a virtual reality chat room 
where you've got your avatar and you have your business meetings in VR. If you summarize it like that, it isn't particularly interesting. It isn't particularly relevant. It's just Zoom, but with added features. It's not to say they won't not, not necessarily be genuinely useful for a business. They might be. But for the most part, it doesn't really offer anything new. And VR's VR's been something that's been around for a while, and it's still never quite taken off in the way that people thought it would do. I mean, Facebook literally bought out um, Oculus, who are makers of VR headsets, um, and they lost money on it overall, I think, is, 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 is what I was reading about that relatively recently, I think. So, like, they basically killed the business off and didn't do anything with it. And VR, despite all the potential in gaming and things like that that people call for it, it's not, it's a niche still even though it's like the primary thing people thought it would it would expand into. If even gamers aren't going to, to jump on cutting edge tech like this and incorporate it in properly, then do you honestly think that, you know, your, your average business is going to gonna do that? No, they're going to stick to Zoom. I can actually offer an obscure Birmingham reference for this. So I was, oh in, I was in the custard factory, um, which if you're not familiar to Birmingham is a former custard factory. And I was there... Uh, for an art exhibition hello Lisa if you're listening that was it's very lovely on one of the things that's in the custard factory is uh, a sort of virtual reality gaming bit and there were people with VR headsets sort of play doing whatever it is the people in VR headsets do except you can see into the room if I was playing on a VR headset I'm not sure I'd want half of Birmingham sort of wandering past the window looking at me sort of moving yeah, I mean, I've 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 done that as well. I was uh, but I was at somebody's stag do, and um, one of the things we did was some like VR. We went to one of those VR gaming places. It was good fun, you know, but it was not like groundbreaking or anything. It was solid. It's fine, but they are experiences that you pay for for an event like that, rather than you know an integral part of the gaming structure or or anything. They're the equivalent of an escape room. You might go maybe a couple of times a year, but you don't do it every week. Hmm. And VR meeting for a stag do seems very low key. Just, just remember what some of those, uh, you know, financial bods get up to with uh, in their meetings, and uh... what happens in VR stays in VR, or does it? I suppose we'll find out. Oh, yeah. Um, I, and I suppose part of it is this is just Facebook rebranding to Meta to try yeah. and make people. Hopefully, then people will forget the terrible things that have happened. Except. In a way that, I mean, there's two things. And I could just briefly, just to finish off, one of them is before maybe they start creating a new universe that they can destroy and like muck up by not regulating it properly. But I they could fix the problems that are in the actual existing world at the moment before they sort of hair into that. And um, the second thing is, and I completely forgot until it was uh, in one of the articles that there was about this, that actually Google did exactly the same thing about five or six years ago. And they changed the name of its own parent company. Yeah, alphabet. What it's called? Yeah, ah, you actually remember. I mean, I, I actually pay attention to this for work because obviously, like, I work with, like, I work in SEO, so um, there's an awful lot of paying attention to what Google does. If you want to pay for us to host podcasts in the metaverse, what would you have to do, Steve? I mean, you'd have to convince me the metaverse was actually a good idea for, for, for point one. But generally speaking, segue, this is a segue. I know, I know, I, I know, I know what it is. I know what it is, but. <laughs> 
but in general you can head over to patreon.com slash not enough champagne where you can fling us a few quid every month to help us pay for our hosting and uh, various other bits and pieces it all goes to running the webs uh, running the running the podcast overall and yeah you can gain access to uh, unique content unique episodes that we put out there uh, early access to various bits and pieces as well our website's notenoughchampagne.com. Our Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash notenoughchampagne. James Cram designed our logo. You can follow him on Twitter at James Cram and Dave Depper composed our theme tune, Cookie Good Times. I'm at Paperback Rioter. I'm at Acoustic Radical. Happy plotting.